Welcome to the Accent Training Club podcast, a podcast where I show you how to harness natural sounding spoken English. My name is Pat. I'm from Toronto, Canada, and living in Mexico. It's where I live. Wonderful place, wonderful people around here, no complaints. And today, for today's episode, I had a fantastic chat with a friend of mine named Stephen. Stephen Green, he's got his own podcast, English with Stephen. Make sure that you check it out in the link in the description of this episode because you're going to come to find through listening to this, Stephen has some great methods of teaching and he's got a great view on things which I'm sure can help a lot of people learn. So check out English with Stephen. Stephen is a traveler. He's a traveler. He's a storyteller. He is an English teacher and he is a family man. He's got his family together and he's enjoying life to the fullest with them. I have a fantastic chat here today with Stephen where we talk about our development as teachers. Stephen chats a little bit about his experiences traveling all over the world and teaching and what he loves about it. And we chat about some fantastic strategies for you to boost your spoken English. So enjoy this chat that Stephen and I have, and I'm hoping that you'll learn a few good things here. Oh, and one more thing. Make sure to check out my video course on Udemy all about enhancing your rhythm of speech in the American accent. That's going to be the other link in the description that you can check out by Stephen's there. All right, let's get into it for your listening pleasure my interview with Mr. Stephen Green. Welcome on to the show, Mr. Stephen Green. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing really well, thank you. It's uh, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, buddy. Good to have you. So you and I, I understand we're in a similar kind of work. You know, we're both teaching language skills online, English, and well, yeah, everybody listening knows about me. So tell me about yourself a little bit. Uh, what do you do? So I come from the UK. I was born in the city of Birmingham, right in the middle of, of England. When I was about 18, I went to university. I studied economics and politics. And the one thing I learned was that I didn't want to work with economics or politics. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I remember I met two people at a party and they just got back from, from the Czech Republic, from Prague. And I got talking to them, what were you doing, blah, blah, blah. It turned out they'd been there for a year teaching English. And I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. Uh, I did a course, a, a Cambridge course for a month where you get a certificate that allows you to go anywhere you like and teach English. And so I've been doing that for the last 25 years. Uh, I taught in Poland, Taiwan, taught in Russia for a bit. I taught in London. We used to get people from all over the world coming to London. But for the last 15 years, I've been... Well, the last 16 years now, I've been living and working in Brazil. So most of the teaching that you've done, I guess, considering you were moving all over, I guess most of it wasn't online then, right? It was just, you know, in-person no. classes. and Face-to-face, yeah. uh, -face, in-person. I was making the transition to online just before the, the pandemic hit. So I was I was going in that direction. But that, that sped everything up then. That, that just, or overnight, everything went online yeah yeah that was interesting because uh, I was I guess yeah about a year before that too I was kind of 
being forced into it in a way because it's it's just a, you know there's more money you get more students it's easier easier work honestly than going to the place but it's totally. it's a tough transition definitely going from those one-on-one classes building friendships with the students to you know a chat's over and you just hit the red button and you're on to the next call in 30 seconds on the other side of the world That's- yes yeah i know exactly what you're saying i do miss that real face-to-face, in-person contact, going to meet people. I miss that. However, I'm not going back to it. Even when all this craziness is over, I mm-hmm. think I'm staying online. Well, I've seen, of course, you've got your website and stuff. And uh, where is it that people can find you online? Because I'm sure we'll have a few people interested. So where uh, would they be able to do that? Well, I'm pretty much everywhere, Facebook, Instagram. But the, the main place is EnglishWithStephen.com. And that's Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Englishwithstephen.com. That's where I host my website and I've got my podcast on there. You can find my podcast everywhere, but that's a good place to find it. I also, I'm in the process of putting stuff up there for teachers. Uh, I'm developing some material for students as well. Everything on there is free uh, at the moment. I might do some courses in the future, but at the moment, everything there is free. There's transcripts everything or you can find me on instagram facebook always english with Stephen, and you'll get me somehow very nice the reason i brought you on here today mr Stephen, is because we've got of course international audiences we've got people from all over the world and these people are coming to the united states they're coming to the uk or canada of course for many good reasons for business for safety for whatever it may be However, we are the strange minority that's going the opposite direction. As you mentioned, you've gone to countries all over and now you've kind of settled down in Brazil. And myself, well, here I am in northern Mexico, which is a place that a lot of people would think I'm crazy to go to, but uh, I I love it here. So we are here to kind of just talk about why we've decided to go the other direction. And beyond that, well, just some of the experiences that we've had and what we hope for for the future, maybe. So let's... Cool. Sounds uh, great. Just a quick update on myself or you, so you know where I'm coming from. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I'm from a small town, a couple hours north of Toronto originally. And I found people in the small towns, they're very kind people, very nice, but often kind of small-minded or not to say that they're dumb but to say that they don't think outside the box kind of thing they sit more in front conservative of them. absolutely and i've always felt myself to have i guess more of a libertarian spirit or whatever i wanted to just get out and see what's beyond the borders of of my small town and moving to toronto i made friends from latin america and started learning little bits of spanish And then once I graduated from college, I went on down to Mexico. I came down to this city, Monterey. Well, I've just been having a good time, whether it's volunteering. Originally, I would do volunteer work and then volunteering teaching. And then I found out, hey, I really like this. I'm pretty good at it. Same as you. I got my certificate. I got, you know, took my courses and I started getting paid teaching. So there are aspects of our story that are similar and aspects that are different. I come from a big city. Hmm. Birmingham is the second biggest city in the UK. But, you know, I always wanted to leave. I always wanted to get out. I always, initially the idea, I always wanted to travel. I remember as a kid, I wanted to travel. I didn't ever have the idea of living in a different country, but I always wanted to see the world. I actually, uh, one of the first places I visited outside of Britain 
was Mexico. I, I traveled around Mexico for a month. And I, that's where I really decided I, I had to try to travel. And that's when I started to con- consider the idea of maybe living in a different country. And, and yeah, teaching provided me the opportunity to do that. I'm curious, where did you go in Mexico? Where did you travel to? We landed in Mexico City. We stayed there for about two weeks because it's such a big, amazing place. There's so many different things to do and a place, a few places around there. And then we headed over to Guadalajara. Uh, We went to, there's a a place in Baja, California. It's It's a resort, but they've got like a bay. And one end of the bay is all Americans. And as you go around the bay, the further you get away from that side of the bay, it becomes more and more Mexican. And we were at the other side of the bay with all the Mexicans. Uh, uh, having fun. Uh, yeah, we had a great time. We got a cheap ticket. It was when I was at university. So the, the ticket was to fly into Mexico, Mexico City, and then fly back from L.A. And initially the plan was to go and spend a few days in L.A., but we didn't. We just got straight to LA airport from Mexico because we had such a good time in Mexico. It was, uh, okay, yeah. The Mexican people then that you were hanging out with, I'm just curious in uh, in Baja California, how did you, you know, end up hanging out with the Mexican people instead of hanging out with the American crowd? Primarily, it was lack of money. We didn't have money oh, yeah. to be going to to even consider going where the Americans were because it was just too expensive. So we True. We were looking for budget options and the budget options meant staying with Mexican people. But I would not, even if nowadays I've got a little bit more money, I could go and stay with the Mexicans. If I was on my own, I'd go, excuse me, I could go and stay in the American, the resort. We did go there the one day and it was just so plastic. It was so college kids just, and I was a college kid, but they were just there just drinking as much as they could. And we Spent all this time with Mexican people trying to speak Spanish. I couldn't speak a word of Spanish before I arrived and mm. eating cheap and local food. And oh, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, I absolutely loved that four weeks. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt as well. Like on my honeymoon with my wife, we went to Oaxaca. Have you heard of this state, Oaxaca? I haven't, I haven't heard of Oaxaca, no. It's on the Pacific coast of Mexico around the southern okay. area where it kind of bends down. It's all jungly mountains. And then on the other side of the mountains, you've got the beach. And the beaches are just enormous waves. And of course, yeah, many of these, you know, real uh, posh, like high class resorts. For my honeymoon, we spent the first few nights camping on the beach. You know, we brought a tent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. There's hostels there. You pay like two bucks a night and you just set up your tent. You know, be friendly, clean up your garbage. That's about That's it. That's it. Fantastic. Yeah, magic, magic stuff. Fully, I'm on board with you there. Like in the resorts, people have forced smiles, like Barbie dolls kind of thing. There's very little authenticity. And unless you start talking to the resort workers, you have a couple of drinks with them and then there's some authenticity. You can have some fun with them. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. One time I went to Disney World and that was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. But that's Disney. It's supposed to be like that. But it was similar. It was like a, a cheap Disney, but in, you know, the the, the, the the architecture, everything was like just a cheap Disney transferred to Mexico. It's like, why are you going to Mexico mm-hmm. to... But we've got the same thing in, in Europe, you know. When I was a kid, I always went to Ireland for my holidays. My, my dad's Irish, all my grandparents are Irish. Mm-hmm. But I remember I was about 12, 13 years old and we went to Spain for the first time. But we went to a resort. And looking back, 
it was basically Britain by the sea in the sun. British food, we had British newspapers, British drinks and all this stuff. So I have I have since been to Spain and travel around. But why go to Spain and just not even try? I guess so. I have noticed, well, at least with my family in, in the UK, they seem to have that attitude as well. Like I, I have a an aunt who's over, she's 100 years old. She, I was showing her on Skype before, like on over video chat, some Mexican food. And she was like, oh, what are you eating that? You know, how could you put that inside of you? But she's also, <laughs> she says she's never eaten a bean in her life. So she's very strict on, you know, she's got okay. a strict diet, no beans, no Mexican food. I guess, you know, people get set in their way. They like their fish and chips. They like their crumpets. Totally. Why would yeah. you want anything different? Yeah. Ooh, I do. I do miss my crumpets, to be fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I tried those the one time I've been over there. And oh, yeah, that's that's something to wake up to. That's very nice. <laughs> in the morning. For yourself now, like in the do you have any experiences in particular that you feel have uh, been, you know, really life changing to you? Like you say it was really eye opening, you know, hanging out in the probably, I guess, in hostels and meeting regular people from the country. And so have you had any experiences that you feel have really set you apart or changed you? I suppose one thing that springs to mind is when I was in uh, Barcelona, I think I was 18. I was in a hostel. I'd gone with a girlfriend in the hostel. We, we didn't know anything about it. Uh, it was segregated. So it was just for men over here and women over there. So I was sleeping in this room, woke up in the morning and I got talking to this, to this man there and he was uh, Brazilian. He spoke a bit of English and uh, I didn't speak Portuguese, very practically no Spanish. And that was when I realised that being able to speak English, talk about football, you can you can find somebody in the world to talk to. Uh, and I had conversations with people I've never met again. I just fell in love with that. And and, and that that realisation that, I mean, I, I, I know that I'm a fortunate person, you know. Um, I come from Britain, so... There is this, people will look at me, oh, you're British. So just the fact that I'm British, I'm, I'm a male, so I'm not worried like some 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 women might be. And I I speak English, I can talk about football, I've got an idea of the world. I can go anywhere, really, yeah. uh, and, and find somebody to talk to. If I'm in trouble, somebody, I can find somebody to help me, something like this. Uh, that's what really confirmed that I, I was a very fortunate person. Folks, this is just a quick message to remind you to subscribe to the Accent Training Podcast. If you haven't already, you don't want to miss a second of this accent training experience. And you want to be updated whenever I've got new content out for you. So if you haven't subscribed, hit subscribe now. Wow, that is, I mean, yeah, beyond just the fact that you realize that you can chat with people, but you realize that you specifically are able to do that. It's not something, you know, if a woman just sits down and starts talking with a strange man, it may just be a regular conversation. I know I've had nice, friendly conversations with plenty of women, but it may not, you know, they yeah. may have somebody who starts getting a little bit uh, too forward or just totally whatever it may be. I've taken the most ridiculous risks, honestly, yeah. that my wife's looked at and she's been like, what the hell are you doing? 
And it's yeah. like, oh, you wouldn't get it. And it's just, you know, I've gone hitchhiking around here. Um, my mother-in-law thought I was absolutely crazy when she found out. And it's like, I was with another guy. Like, no one's going to bother two men in their early 20s. Like, that'd be crazy. That's too totally. much trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but two girls uh, in their early 20s. Yeah, that's trouble. So nah. I, I guess that same realization also kind of motivates me to want to pretty much to experience all that I can to take advantage of the fact that I can experience many things. And it makes me want to talk to more people. And do you feel the same in any way? Um, not that you it's would take that it I, for granted, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to, to realize when you have an advantage. Uh, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that you're just going to give away everything that you've got because other people have other advantages in, in different situations. But also, uh, in terms of teaching, I've done a lot of teacher training and I do go out of my way to encourage other people who are not like me. So women or uh, people of color or people who don't have the same advantage that I have. I do go out of my way to encourage people as much as possible. It would be very easy for me just to train the same people as me and give them and reinforce that, that advantage. I'm not saying I'm not going to work with white men. No. I'm go, I go out of my way to, to do uh, voluntary work or to, mm-hmm. to, to, to do courses where um, maybe it's not paid quite so much, but it's going to give somebody an, a, an opportunity. Because that's the thing, when you give somebody who doesn't have the opportunities that we've had, if you give them an opportunity, that is such an amazing possibility. Give me an opportunity. Huh, I've, I've got plenty. If I miss one, there's another one along in 10 minutes. But to give other people who perhaps wouldn't get those opportunities, to give them a chance, that's, uh, uh, that's a powerful thing. Something I've been thinking on lately as well is another incredible thing about, I guess, just where we come from and the knowledge that we have of internet and technology. Many people do indeed have the opportunities to start businesses online, to invest in Amazon or to invest in stocks. They just don't know it. And so even if they do have the opportunity, it's the knowledge of that opportunity. And, And the fact that you can share that awareness with people that like you say you you know if you meet a teacher maybe didn't have great english lessons growing up but he wants to teach or you see he's got the teaching skill because it is a skill of its own like i'm not as i don't understand anything about science but i could teach you things about science it's weird yeah give give me time to prepare it give me some time to prepare it and i could teach a science lesson not degree level but i could teach a science lesson yeah yeah you could get the information across and someone else can take that information and go do great things with it and and that's what you're doing here is yeah you're giving that opportunity for others to hone in on that skill and so that's great that's great that you do that i haven't thought about the fact of teaching teachers really teaching people that they can teach so that they can go on living good lives i think that's fantastic. totally yeah, yeah yeah and you know it's, it's also uh in my in my my podcast uh, i tell lots of stories about uh people in Britain, the British culture, but stories about the language. And I'm conscious of the fact that I have to tell other people's stories. So, you know, it's not just about my story. I try to uh, introduce people from around the world, their stories into my podcast. I'm very conscious of the fact that I have this this opportunity and I could use it purely for myself, but Mm -hmm. trying a little bit to help other people at the same time, why not? 
Absolutely. The fact, because everybody does have a story to tell. Everybody's got something to share, a different story. It's just a quick little window into someone's life and giving someone the opportunity to just say what they got to say. It's powerful. Extremely powerful. One of the few things that unites all humans from, doesn't matter what society you're from, whether it's a tribe in the in the Amazon to a, a living in Seoul in South Korea, whether you're a, a two-year-old child or you're a hundred-year-old auntie or whatever it is, we love stories. We are obsessed yeah. with stories. We, as you said, they're powerful. We can learn. We do learn from stories. We use stories to teach. You know, That's just watching it. Netflix. Yeah, watch, watching Netflix, it's a story. Uh, I love teaching these stories. I, I like to think of my classes as a story. You know, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, there's a narrative running through them. Uh, I, I, I do like this idea of using stories uh, to teach and help. It is a powerful tool, and it's something that it captivates people. As long as you're a good storyteller, you can be a good storyteller telling a bad story, and, uh, and it'll sound like a good story. But the other yeah, way around, yeah. if you're a bad storyteller, then yeah, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. Have you uh, have you told stories in Spanish? Never. Ah, never. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. I my my son is now ten. I was okay in Portuguese before he was born. Since he was born, my my Portuguese has just uh, uh, taken off. But now uh, uh, I only speak to my son in English. But his friends and I tried to tell them stories in Portuguese. And at the beginning, I was awful telling stories in portuguese but even though my portuguese is still not fantastic it's not the best i've learned some ways of getting people's interest by using by telling stories in portuguese Uh, and it's changed or improved the way i tell stories in english as well which is quite useful (laughs) that would be a good skill actually i've never thought of telling stories i tried telling a joke in spanish i've tried that once and it didn't go well. Like no, it, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't really tell jokes in English, but uh, oh, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a comedian unless it's by accident. But uh, no, uh, story. Try it. Try it. Find a way to tell a story in Spanish. Yeah, I'll definitely. Yeah, I'll give that a shot, and um, I'll see what I can do because yeah, English storytelling. I love it. I can do voices. I can act things out. I can have. I I know exactly, like you say, you've got to know when to pause for dramatic effect and you got to know when to make your voice go booming or, or real yeah, soft yeah. and quiet. And in another language, it's totally, you, the things that you would do in English may even offend in the other language. You never know. In English, I, I don't have to worry about the language, but uh, mm-hmm. even a proficient user in the second language, you are thinking about the language which gives you less time to think about your voice and your pauses and stuff like this. Uh, it it uh-huh. forces you to really be aware of what you're doing. And that's actually for, you know, the listeners here, it's a great tip right there. What he's saying in general. I mean, I, I always talk about shadowing in these and I always say how, you know, okay. if, you, if you're shadowing and not only shadowing, but shadowing with a focus. You're shadowing, looking for the A sound, and you want to just identify those A's. Storytelling, because I, I know I get a lot of people who want more than just songs, and they want to step it up a notch. And that's an interesting concept right there. Listen to his advice here, folks. Storytelling is most certainly something that's going to boost your spoken English. If you listen to how 
native speakers tell stories, maybe look on YouTube for some tips and just start trying it on your own. And like we're saying here, everybody loves a good story. I think everyone always, even old people, young people, angry people, everybody likes a good story. Yeah, totally. With some teachers, some teachers overuse TED Talks. They use them all the time. Uh, Mm. But I found that there are some TED, I think it's in TED Education, where they tell stories from around the world. Uh, and they animate the stories. Uh, for example, there's one that I use, which is the, the giant, the myth of the giant's causeway in Northern Ireland. Three minutes long, and there's a transcript, and it's animated, and you can watch it. I get my students to watch it, what's happening just from the animation, and they listen to it. Are they right? Then they listen and they read the transcript. And then their homework is practice the story. Because next week, you're going to sort of them copy the, the TED Talks word for word. Some of them make it their own. That's fine. It doesn't matter what they do, so long as they are using that story to, 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 to use their English. People love it. It's a really good exercise. And I know people go off and they, they tell stories. I've had some classes where that's it. And then they, they tell me stories about Brazilian folklore. And I haven't planned any of this. And they, 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 they delight in doing this. That is brilliant. That is really good. Yeah. The, cause I'll have students and I'm, I try to get it across to them. Okay. Here's when we want to make the voice, you know, here's how we want to play with our, our voice to make different implications of our words and stuff like that. But yeah, a YouTube video, you have them um, study it, study the sta- the transcript. And then you say, you're Pratt, you're rehearsing this for me next session. So, yeah. you know, get it yeah. right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really good idea. I'm going to, I'll start working in on some lessons for that as well. That's cool. Go for it. My podcast, I've got a story about uh, Lady Godiva. And there's actually a lesson plan there for, for teachers if they want to use it uh, on, on Lady Godiva. Because uh, Lady Godiva, every British kid knows the story of Lady Godiva. But outside Britain, not many people know the story of Lady Godiva. I've heard uh, the name in a Beatles song. That's about it's a it. queen. I think it's a queen song. Don't stop me now. Uh, he talks about lay. I'm driving, I'm driving like a racing car, like Lady Godiva. I'm gonna go, go, go. There's no stopping me. So yeah, but she's a, she's famous in Britain. Uh, she's a an Anglo-Saxon uh, wife of a very important lord. And I do a similar thing, you know. I, I, I get them actually with that one. I get I show them pictures and I get them to create the story first, and then they compare their story to mm-hmm. my story they, they go and listen to the podcast and then they they compare the two stories okay okay you've got your episode you reading it yourself in the way that you would you get them to do it and then you know i may steal that idea from you so, <laughs> so now you've, there's a well little... i i probably stole it from somebody else anyway so don't yeah. worry yeah. yeah all right so i've got the permission it's not plagiarized because then we'd all be in trouble but totally uh, yeah, exactly. So oh, that's great. So yeah, now everybody listening knows, wow, great uh, stories to come in the future, because I really like that idea. And also, I just looked up, yeah, the Beatles song is Lady Madonna. There's Lady, Lady Madonna, Madonna, yeah. 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 Do, 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 do. And that's, that's all I remember. But yeah, like Lady, because I've sang that in the in Queen, though, I've sang that song and Don't Stop Me Now. Okay. That's, that's one of my favorite karaoke songs. So 
Well, it's a song that here anyway, in the south of Brazil, everybody knows that song. Uh, mm-hmm. And I actually integrate that into my class. Uh, I, I start the class with that song. And it's, 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 it is quite a simple song. The, the words are very clear, brilliant metaphors uh, for what he is. You know, he's a party animal. And mm-hmm. all of these metaphors about how he's having a great time. It's a wonderful song to use in the classroom. And then I isolate that line about Lady Godiva. And I say, so who is Lady Godiva? And oh, God, I don't know. Never heard. Because all the other metaphors, they understand. You know, I'm a rocket. I'm a, uh, I'm a racing car. All of these metaphors, they're clear. They're obvious. Everybody understands them. Lady Godiva? Who's Lady Godiva? Don't I know. thought it was a racer. I thought it was a race ah, car driver. Ah. <laughs> I, I always pictured it that it was a race car driver or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and that's the hook. That's the hook then to get them into the story. So you can, you folks can hear it from himself. I mean, Stephen here has great stuff. Definitely. You want to check out his site and see uh, what he's got to offer. Cause listen to that right there. That's a, an incredible class that he just described. That's very cool. It nice. is one of my favorites. Uh, definitely. Good. That's great. Well, I do got to get to wrapping things up uh, very shortly because I've got to grab some lunch. It's always a thing <laughs> on this podcast. People know I like to eat a lot because I'm always <laughs> I'm always doing this right before lunch or dinner time. But do you have any uh, any, you know, uh, pearls of wisdom that you'd like to bestow upon my audience here or myself? Because I'm always happy for new things. Yeah. Well, the, the one thing I say, there's, there are so many ways to learn English, so many ways. Mm-hmm. And now with the Internet, you've got access to so many different things. What I say to my students is you've got to do something that you like. Uh, if you like listening to songs, then listen to songs to learn English. Not just listen to songs, but use them to focus and, and, and pay attention to them. If you don't like listening to songs, then don't do it. Read a book if that's what you like doing. Talk to people online if that's what you like doing. You've got to do something that you like, because if you like doing it, you will probably do it long term. If you hate doing it, if you hate studying grammar, don't study grammar because you will stop very quickly. Mm. If you love studying grammar, go ahead. Keep doing it. Study grammar as much as you like, because learning a language is not something you're going to do in a month. It is a long term uh, endeavor. And so oh, it has God. to be something that you enjoy doing, that you you want to do it every day. And that's the secret, I think, is doing a little bit every day. My podcast is a maximum of 10 minutes because I think that we can find 10 minutes in our day. We are busy people, so we can find 10 minutes. But also you don't need to do more than 10 minutes if you do 10 minutes every day. Mm. Uh, and if you can do it every day there's a lot of uh, uh, research into learning not just learning languages but learning anything mm-hmm. do a little bit often much better than one day every sunday doing an hour no mm. do 10 minutes every day and you'll get much better results from that than doing it one big thing so with my students the class is where we talk about what you've done in the last week what you're going to do in the next week we bring it all together but the class is basically the anchor that we can develop activities that students can do on their own at home. That is advice for myself and good advice <laughs> for everybody listening. Yeah, know? I need to remember it myself sometimes. I often forget. <laughs> In the last year, I've tried picking up German twice. The first time I just bit off more than I could chew. I started 
uh, watching Disney movies in German, which helped a little bit, but I was taking on too much vocabulary at once because I had the dictionary out and I was pausing and, oh, what's this word? What's that? And okay, I did pick up a couple small words, but I've got no idea how to use them. But then the second time, there's uh, maybe you've seen this um, this like brand of podcasting, like Coffee Time English, Coffee Time German. For beginning level stuff, very good, you know, bite size information of, I, they're, I guess they're like 20, 30, about 20 minutes or so, I think, in length. So a little longer than uh, that 10 minutes that you said, but still, you know, there's so many podcasts out there that you can totally fit into your day. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm going to check out uh, this Coffee Time German. Uh, while I'm cooking my lunch right now, I'm going to put that on in the background. <laughs> Good stuff. Make it a habit. Make it a habit. Every time you cook, stick it on. Within six months, you'll be amazed. Bad habit of smoking, bad habit of drinking, but uh, make it a good habit. Why not? Powerful thing. Just like you say, it starts to stick. You know, 10 minutes in a day, it starts to stick. I remember from just doing that, maybe over three days, I learned just a few words like Abschuldigon bitte, and that's, I don't remember what that means, but it's in my <laughs> head. So now I've just got to, you know, find what's where that goes, and, uh, and that'll come along. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Mr. Steven. This has been a very interesting chat, and I'm, I'm sure that we've captivated our listeners with your storytelling uh, abilities right here most definitely yeah i'm looking forward to working together in the future most definitely thank you for a great conversation 